to Weeks When Podcasts Happen. Uh, we've got another episode we're squeezed in here under the wire before 2020 leaves us behind. Yeah, we haven't talked too much about the very stimulus packages that have come down the, uh, the pipe. And so today we're going to be digging into uh, the latest round of the uh, stimulus spending that's been proposed and just the ridiculous things that Trump is now doing to push back, the kind of predictable thing that he's doing to push back, uh, now denouncing the process in a pretty unique way. We're going to dig into all that here. We're going to start off with some intros. I'm going to go through the overall stimulus bill uh, as it currently stands. It's been passed by the House and the Senate. Um, it was expected that Trump would sign this bill. Instead, he hopped on Twitter uh, in a video statement denouncing the bill for not giving everyday Americans enough money. He says that they should get a minimum of $2,000. While he also denounced a bunch of special interest spending on the Republican side, this often means, you know, social program spending. But yeah, it's a pretty, it's a, a pretty potentially strong counter narrative to the hand wringing we've seen out of the Democrats. So we're going to dig into all this. But first, we're going to introduce the people you come to know and love. Does anybody want to go first? I'll go first. It's Greg uh, reporting to you from where the money resides. Glad to be here. Oh, Greg. <laughs> Hi, folks. It's Marshall from Virginia, also trying to be where the money resides. And hey, this is Ian uh, at the Brick and Mortar Collective, increasingly not where the money resides, as I am officially unemployed in seven days. Just going to do a countdown here on the podcast. But yeah, so let's dive in here a little bit. I, usually we do just some overall feels. I'm going to quick just try to give us a summary of the $908 billion bill that the House and the Senate passed. Um, and then we're going to circle back into kind of like where we're at right now. So first off, this is the second round of stimulus. You all remember we, um, most folks got a stimulus check back in, you know, whenever it arrived, but like April, May. And so this is the second round. Uh, after $1,200 and nine months, they decided we deserved some additional support in the largest catastrophe that we've had, I guess, as a nation, <laughs> 300,000 dead, and uh, the economy essentially shut down partway for most of a year. So yeah, this new bill, it's uh, 5,000 pages long. Representatives were given two hours to read it, um, and many of them were very frustrated with that on both sides of the aisle. Um, it was attached to a overall spending bill of $1.4 to keep the government running, so kind of like it was a let's just pass everything at once attempt, but specifically the COVID relief part was $908 billion. Um, this is negotiated down from the $3 trillion bill that was passed by House Dems earlier in the year and the $1.8 trillion counterproposal that Trump had made. Somehow, the negotiation process between $3 trillion and $1.8 trillion was $900 billion. I'm unclear on how uh, that works. We'll probably get into some of our feels on that later. But yeah, what's in this new round? Big things is $286 billion in direct aid for American, uh, I believe it's just citizens. Um, it's a $600 relief check one time, $300 in weekly unemployment aid for those who are unemployed. That's all part of that $286 billion. This is half, uh, on both counts, this is half of what the last bill uh, offered folks. Um, it continues unemployment benefits for self-employed and gig workers, which is a big deal since so many people are gig workers. It also would put uh, forward $325 billion in a continuation of the Paycheck Protection Program and other aid for small businesses. Um, this is for businesses with less than 500 employees, which I'd like to know is a pretty high number. That's a several million dollar uh, corporation at that or uh, business at that point um, to cover payroll, rent, and utilities. It specifically has $15 billion for movie theaters and live venues. There's some money in there trying to keep some stuff going. 
um, on that front uh, as movie theaters haven't done well since they've been giant vectors for disease. And yeah, just to note here, in the previous program, um, they offered about $500 billion in protection, or small business protection, and about 1% of the borrowers took up a quarter of that money. So a lot of this money is flowing to large, well-resourced corporations that can pay lawyers and people to really directly target this fund and get as much out of it as possible. Other things, just quick hits here, $82 billion for schools. Mostly um, in the past, this money was used for tech funds to transition to online learning. $69 billion in public health measures, $45 billion for public transportation, including $15, $15 billion for specifically just keeping the airlines running, since again, cramming everyone in a tiny tube and having them breathe each other's air as they travel across the country uh, hasn't been a great business strategy. $25 billion uh, was also forwarded in rental assistance, with 20 million Americans officially behind on rent. It's unclear how this number makes any sense to actually help people. Um, that would mean that it could essentially pay for, you know, math right, a little over one month of rent if your average rent is $1,000, which in many places it is much more. So I'm not clear on how that solves a nine month rent crisis. Um, it continues the eviction moratorium, which has been imperfect and people are still being evicted. The bill also includes $13 billion in additional SNAP benefits, making sure people get uh, food and an additional $13 billion uh, to help support farmers that aren't uh, finding a market for their products right now. There are a few good things nestled in here. This new bill would limit the effect of uh, surprise medical bills for out-of-network care. Um, for folks who haven't experienced this, this is you go to the right hospital, it's in your network, but for some reason there's a doctor there who treats you who's not in your insurance network and suddenly you get a bill for the full price of that since it was out of network. This uh, would prohibit that practice. Um, and if it happened, um, it would basically put the onus on the doctor and the insurance company to solve that, not the individual. This is a, a big win. It is also a win that probably should have been won in like the 50s or the 1910s, you know, when healthcare uh, became a thing. But yeah, definitely an improvement. It extends college financial aid to formerly incarcerated folks. Again, a draconian measure introduced during uh, the kind of newest wave of mass incarceration in the 80s. I believe it might have been the 90s. You never know. Clinton does some of this bad stuff too. But yeah, basically some small good things in there. Also a lot of weird stuff. So uh, the biggest weird thing is that this new round of COVID relief would change the way that the small business protection uh, funds were uh, taxed. So initially it was money that was being loaned out to businesses that they could get forgiven. So they wouldn't have to pay it back. Then they lobbied to make sure that it was money that would not be taxed. So these businesses are getting money. They're not being taxed on that money. In this most recent bill that was just passed, they now will get a tax write-off for the money that they spent from that program. So they're getting free money, they're not being taxed on that money, and then if they spend that money, they get to write off that amount on their current taxes. It's estimated that this will be essentially giving away 200 billion additional dollars to these businesses, again, disproportionately helping the uh, wealthiest and most lawyered up <laughs> of these businesses. Um, there was an estimate, I believe it was the New York Times, that said that $120 billion of this 200 would likely go to the richest 1% of the population. So it's basically just funneling hundreds of billions of dollars back up to the people who already have hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, the uh, other fun things, 100% tax deduction on corporate lunches now. Um, that's another thing included in this bill that uh, will estimated, that's estimated to cost taxpayers $6 billion as currently rich people are only allowed to write off 50% of their lunches. Now they'd be able to write off 
There's a $2.5 billion tax write-off for racetracks, which is fun. Uh, there's billions in defense spending for a bunch of allied uh, countries, uh, including $500 million specifically for the Iron Dome missile defense system in Israel, uh, $1.3 billion for defense spending in Egypt, $500 million for defense spending in Jordan. Um, so yeah, just basically spreading billions of dollars around the empire. Uh, there's thir uh, tons of little pieces of money that also went out to things like uh, the Venezuelan democracy programs, uh, $33 million being uh, sent, I'm sure, in a very friendly and comradely way to the Venezuelan people, making sure that democracy looks the way the United States would like democracy to look. Um, and yeah, the final one that probably most of us on the internet have heard is that there were increased penalties for streaming illegally. Thankfully, this was negotiated down from a felony for anybody who streamed content to uh, now it's just a felony to be the source of streamed content and they wouldn't go off after viewers. Not that I would ever dream of streaming things illegally, but I'm thankful that those who would uh, will be protected. So yeah, this wonderful, wonderful bill was passed this week by both chambers. There was opposition from many folks, um, some on the right, uh, folks who suddenly, when there's a Democratic president coming into office, decide to care about deficits again, as well as those on the left, Bernie Sanders calling for um, at least $1,200 checks, um, if not more, um, Rashida Tlaib also saying this wasn't enough for uh, her constituents or the nation, AOC, uh, very frustrated with being uh, forced to read the bill in just a few hours and the overall content and lack of support for working people. Rashida Tlaib actually uh, took the brave stand of, of voting against this inadequate legislation. And basically, uh, folks were frustrated. It was the compromise, the drumbeat towards consensus where, yeah, as we've, as we've seen, as I've just outlined, hundreds of billions of dollars are being sent to uh, the wealthiest portion of our population. Uh, billions of dollars are being sent overseas to expand and support the U.S. empire. There um, are $600 being sent to Americans who are struggling um, in the worst crisis that we faced in uh, over a decade. And everyone essentially expected this to be the horrible compromise that they would uh, all complain about, all accept, but then just sort of uh, Trump would sign and they'd be like, the Democrats would say, well, we wanted more but we didn't get it and it's all the Republicans' fault. And the Republicans could say that we helped you and we kept the Democrats from wasteful spending. Everyone gets to go home and feeling good. Unfortunately <laughs> for the process, Trump didn't, was not on board. And uh, apparently uh, there'd been some reports that he'd been talked out of demanding more stimulus. Now that the bill has been passed, he decided to just do what Trump apparently likes to do, which is throw himself into the middle of the situation. He released a video of himself denouncing the plan and the money that had been spent on special interests. Again, the way he uses that is dubious. I think that Republicans usually mean like poor people who don't want to starve when they say special interests, as opposed to the billionaires who are getting hundreds of millions of dollars from this bill. But denouncing uh, what are clearly problems in that there's a bunch of people who aren't in need of aid that are getting aid from this bill and calling for $2,000 for each person, a minimum of $4,000 for each family and yeah, basically, like he didn't go by the script. And I think we should like underline that Trump is not looking out for working people. Trump does not care about us. Trump played this potentially very well, because now he has separated himself from a Republican establishment that is trying to be a deficit hawk, a Democrat establishment that is trying to negotiate through to some sort of empire consensus. But now uh, Trump has introduced this a wrench into the works where we're not going to go by the script. Are we going to go back to a new bill? Some uh, Democrats like AOC have come out uh, saying that they welcome a call for $2,000 in aid. They've been calling for it the whole time and they put forward the bill that 
Rashida Tlaib and AOC had both sponsored, calling for $2,000 in aid for working people. But it remains to be seen what the Democrats will do. And I think that uh, what we're going to dig into is just kind of like where this leaves us, what this moment means. I've been running for a minute here, so I'd love to hear other folks' thoughts. Like, or what did you think when you first heard this? Um, and how are you kind of interpreting this shift away from the standard script? Yeah, my first thought was, oh my goodness, here comes Trump blowing things up again. And I immediately thought that it was a really, really bad look for the Democrats, obviously, because um, obviously the the $600, um, you know, on top of everything else that's in the bill, $600 is nothing, especially after people have been struggling for so long. Um, and, you know, this is all you give them. Um, so I, I just thought that it was a terrible look for the, for the Democrats. And so, um, you know, to see that Trump, you know, I mean, obviously he clearly doesn't care about his own party. He only cares about himself and setting himself up for, you know, even if it's not, uh, him trying to stay in office, even though he has lost the election, you know, more times than we can count. Um, even if he's trying to set himself up for, you know, running again in 2024, um, you know, he he's clearly only looking out for himself and he's doing a good job of that by, you know, saying, forget both of these parties. I'm, you know, looking out for you all. You know, this $600 is an insult to you all. So, you know, I'm saying that you all deserve at least $2,000. Um, and I think that, you know, seeing how the Democrats responded first, you know, I saw AOC, um, you know, respond and say that, hey, this is what me and Rashida Tlaib have been calling for. We've been calling for $2,000. So, you know, welcome to the club. Like, great. You know, obviously that's on brand for her um, and the rest of the squad. But, you know, to wake up this morning and see that Speaker Pelosi is saying, you know, oh, okay, great. Basically calling Trump's bluff and saying, all right, this is what the you know, the, now the Republicans need to get on board. You know, that's that's what she should be doing. But at the same time, it's like you you all should have been playing hardball long before Trump, you know, jumped in and decided to to blow things up. I mean, again, it, it shouldn't come down to Trump being this uh, irrational and being this impulsive person for you all to say, oh, okay, we're going to put our foot down and we're going to demand that the Republicans, you know, come through on this. It, it shouldn't always be the ball is in the Republicans court, or it shouldn't always be that the ball is in Trump's court. Like sometimes you all, meaning the Democrats, they need to lead and they need to put their foot down. And I understand that, you know, for both parties, but especially for the Democrats, well, no, not especially for the Democrats, for both parties, it was important for them to get something out, you know, for the Republicans, they had to get something out because again, they have the, the two seats that they're trying to keep in Georgia and the Democrats are also trying to, you know, get those two seats in, in Georgia. Um, so again, you know, there's a lot on the line and the Democrats are, again, trying to make sure that they, they look like they're looking out for the interests of their constituents. But the truth is, you can't just give people $600 and be like, look, okay, we did our job. We pat ourselves on the back and we go home. Like, I think that people would much rather you fight for them and show them that you respect them and you understand them, or at least you're trying to understand them. Because again, most of the folks in Congress are, if they're not millionaires, they're doing way better than the folks who, you know, are living paycheck to paycheck. 
So I just think that it's insulting and, and it's again, a bad look, even though now, you know, the, the um, kind of the onus is on Mitch McConnell and the Republicans to, to come around and say, okay, we'll do $2,000. I think it's a bad look that it took Trump you know, pulling the wild card and saying, no, I'm going to veto this. You all have to come up with $2,000. I think that that's a really bad look for the Democrats. Powerful stuff. My third, first thoughts were actually like on the conspiracy theory wave. And I think this is like Trump preparing for a stronger, either fight to not leave the White House along with his pardons or a strong fight for 2024. Because uh, my thoughts are that it doesn't matter if this passes or not, and I don't even think it's gonna pass. Right, we're about to go into like the the Christmas recess. Uh, Trump can like make all the noise he wants, and I, like nothing's gonna get done for the ne- unless they're gonna pass this before Christmas. Like nothing's gonna get done before the New Year, uh, and we're gonna go into a Biden presidency with this still on the plate. And Trump will look great going out because he tried and every like I did like Ian, you kind of made the point that like this is like a break from the game. But I feel like Trump is just playing his own like there's the Democrats, the Republicans and then there's Trump. Uh, And he's just like made himself a character in this instead of just being a silent partner of like signing off on whatever the Republicans passed along now he's made his own uh stance which just makes him look good without ever actually having to do anything so if it does get passed while he's in office he looked great and if it doesn't he tried uh and if especially if it doesn't then it's up to biden to pass it or not and even if it if it does get passed under biden then it was because of trump and if it doesn't then it was because of biden and even just like the narrative around the $600 that people, even though Trump is still in office, people have been calling it Biden stimulus check, uh, even though it's still under under Trump, right? Yeah. And another thing that I just thought of as far as like the Democrats, you know, having to get it passed and everything like that, is that I feel like there's also been this narrative that, you know, the Democrats are like, okay, well, we need to hurry up and just get this passed. It doesn't really matter that it's $600 because we do have Biden coming into office. And, you know, kind of like no matter what happens, even though, again, we, we, as in the Democrats, need to have, uh, need to win those two Georgia Senate seats in order to get anything done in the Senate. But um, the whole idea is that once we have Biden in office, we'll be able to get a lot more done, meaning we'll be able to get more stimulus checks and, you know, we'll be able to get a lot more for the people who really need it. And I just think that that's like wishful thinking. And I think that that's, you know, like trying to sell people a dream. And I think that that's really, um, I, I don't think that they should be, I don't think that that's the, the thing that they should be trying to sell people. Because again, we don't know what's going to happen with the Georgia elections. Um, you know, the polls have been super close. Um, and uh, again, I mean, you know, the Democratic Party itself, I mean, there are some conservative Democrats. I mean, they're really Democrats in name only. Um, and so, you know, you you really have no idea how people are going to end up voting. 
um, you know, when it comes down to it for key, uh, you know, Senate votes. So I just don't think that they should be, you know, saying, well, you know what, we're going to go ahead and we're going to give you all your little dinky $600 now, but just wait until Biden is inaugurated. Like we're going to be able to really pull it out for you guys. And we're, you know, we're going to be throwing two, $2,000 checks at y'all and you won't even be able to, you know, handle all the, the stimulus money you're going to be getting. So that's just another thought that I had. I think that the ridiculousness of this sort of idea that Biden is just waiting in the wings and he's being held back by, you know, X, Y, Z excuse at this point is like, A, there are reports that Biden pushed for this compromise uh, legislation, that the Dems were on the fence, deciding whether to fight, deciding whether to demand more. And Biden, much like Obama, stepped in and decided that a centrist, moderate solution was the best approach to bring Republicans on board and make sure that something got passed. So now you have Biden uh, on the record pushing for this moderate $600 on the promise that something will happen in the future and Trump coming out and publicly saying it's not enough. That already is a very dangerous and bad contrast to be setting. I think also, who the fuck expects the Democrats to follow through? Like, I, I don't understand this idea that we're all so stupid that we can't remember every other time the Democrats have promised us something. Literally this week, uh, Biden's uh, camp came out with a report saying that they can't undo all the immigration restrictions that he said he was going to undo day one. And by restrictions, I mean imprisonment. By restrictions, I mean camps. Like, the idea that the Democrats are in any way a good faith actor who are going to follow through on their promises, like he's literally sitting there undoing his promises from the campaign, this whole idea that it would be the most progressive administration, that it would make sure that there weren't any more kids in cages. <clears throat> How many people like tweeted that at me when I said I wasn't going to vote for him? Um, and then he turns around and he does this shit. Like, I don't know, who's, who's expecting the Dems to follow through on this? Like, oh, there's definitely going to be another stimulus check. Okay, well... Obama had 56 votes in the Senate and somehow couldn't, or 50 some odd votes in the Senate and couldn't pass shit. Why is 51 votes going to be enough to pass progressive legislation this time? Um, Are you going to get, like you were saying, all these blue dog Democrats who are not Trump Republicans, but definitely aren't like at all the people we need to pass legislation onto the same boat to get a $2,000 stimulus uh, or stimulus check passed? I, I just don't see it. And I think that like, the Republicans, while Trump has undermined them in some ways, were already setting up for this whole fight around deficits. Like that's what they did with Obama. They wouldn't pass anything for the fear of the deficit, which is sort of a fictitious number. Uh, the United States government can make money and therefore like it's, a, and it's the most powerful economy in the world, at least for now. That gives it a lot of leeway to create debt and manipulate debt and for like the creation of, uh, to, yeah, to avoid over an overflowing deficit. Um, and I think that like the idea that we somehow need to manage our pocketbook like we are a uh, a family household is just not, that's not how governments work. It's also just something that only comes up when Democrats want to pass something. So it's, it's clearly a political maneuver. It's a political maneuver that Biden has already shown himself very willing to jump into like falling prey to. Yeah, I, I just think that like the, the critical piece here is that Trump has taken the initiative and that like, like you're saying, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it passes. Like, it doesn't matter if there's a $2,000 check at the end of the day now. Trump stood up and said, this isn't enough, you deserve more. And the Democrats were sitting next to him saying, no, this is enough, you, you like, this is a huge help. Pelosi, like the day before, had, was on the House floor saying that this was a huge, meaningful help to working families. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, $600 doesn't cover rent for one month. It's been nine months. It doesn't cover food for one month. It's been nine months. Like, how long into the future are you expecting people to, like, this is essentially a check to landlords. That they all know it's coming. They all know you're going to have it. Like, 
I, I just, it's an absurdity that the Democrats were, or that the Democratic leadership, I want to do, I do want to differentiate there between the folks who are pushing for more and the leadership that demanded they get in line and vote for less. But it's an absurdity that the Democratic leadership was in some way fighting for more and uh, are now like thankful for Trump demanding more. Well, what do you think about uh, some of the, like, some of the things we've been hearing from uh, Democratic, I would say Democratic apologists already. Um, like the first big thing that we've heard is that uh, the Democrats always wanted to give everyone $2,000. Yeah, have you all heard this? Did you, do you have any, any feels about the sort of sentiment that if only the, the Republicans had been on board, all the Democrats were already ready to hand everybody this money? I mean, I think that that goes back to even if that's what they wanted to do, which I mean, I think that that's debatable. Um, I think that that goes back to them sticking to their guns. Like again, the Republicans, you know, for better or worse, and it's always for worse, they stick to their guns. They are terrible people and they will continue to do it. Like, I mean, they have no souls and there's nothing that you can do about it. The Democrats, they pretend to have souls, but they actually, don't so the fact that they want to sit there and say and democratic apologists want to sit there and say you know oh they always wanted to give them you know two thousand dollars but the the you know republicans wouldn't budge i'm like okay well the democrats shouldn't budge like i mean honestly i know that people are hurting right now but the fact that we have two parties that won't budge but then one always does budge like what does that mean that means that you one will always call the other one's bluff and the other one will always fold that's what that means and i'm tired of that i we didn't have to get to this point it has been um you know decades at this point of the republicans knowing that at a certain point the democrats will uh you know give in to their demands so I mean, obviously, this isn't the the president, meaning uh, the incoming president. Um, this isn't the president who's going to take a stand. But I don't know. It's just frustrating. I feel like with people's lives on the line, and I mean, you know, not just those who are sick, um, you know, and the lives that we've lost, but people who are struggling because of this this virus. I feel like now is the time for real leadership, like decisive leadership and not talking about battling for the soul of this country and build back better. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you deciding that people need $2,000 to live, you know? And so that's what you stick by. And whether it's, you know, a press blitz or it's you, you know, using party whips, or it's you like having these, you know, behind closed doors discussions where you really like have it out. You need to do something. You need to stick up for your constituents. And I'm really, really tired of hearing, you know, these people talk about Democrats doing the best they can. I don't believe they're doing the best that they can. And I don't want to be, I just don't want to continue to hear this. And especially when, you know, we're, we're coming into a new administration and we're supposed to hear or we're supposed to believe that things are going to change when clearly we're not seeing things change. We still see that Mitch McConnell, we still see that Trump, uh, we still see that they're controlling things. 
and we still see that they have the Democratic Party by the balls. I'm tired of it. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, I, I think that I, I think there's a real question here. But when would you demand more? Like, I, how much worse would things have to get for the Democrats to grow a spine? And I think that like 300,000 deaths, nine months of a uh, social and economic crisis. Like, I, I just don't understand like how much worse people's lives have to get before they're willing to stand up and demand something more. Like $2,000, a one-time payment isn't enough. Like we should be demanding that they erase debts that people are stacking up right now, that they pay off landlords rather than having people just basically spend their next five years paying off their landlords. Like there are people who are dying in this crisis. There are people who are going to be irreparably harmed by the disease, even if they don't die. And there are going to be lives that are irreparably harmed by just, you know, a year worth of economic advancement erased. Uh, probably 10 years in some cases of economic advancement erased for just like the wealth they had to spend to like stay afloat. Like this idea that like, even a $2,000 one-time payment is enough, we should be dreaming of and fighting for more. And for some reason we're quibbling about whether a one-time, like essentially keep you in your house payment is enough for the American people. And I think that like the Democrats coming back with this hand ringing, like, oh, if only we could do something. It's like, God damn it. The, the Republicans spent the whole Obama administration making sure that nothing positive passed. You, you can't manage to do one positive thing. You can't manage to fight for the, your, your constituents that you theoretically care about. Like uh, Klobuchar was on uh, some media source uh, this past, uh, I guess it would be like 24, 48 hours, saying that they might consider a uh, like overriding the president's veto uh, to pass this bill. How the fuck is that gonna look? If the president says you're not getting enough and the Democrats and the Republican establishments come together and say, well, we think this is enough for you to shut the fuck up. And here's a veto and all, we're gonna use all this political capital to make sure that you get this one-time payment that probably won't even ever hit your fucking bank account. Um, it, it's just absurd. Like, I think that this, yeah, when is the crisis moment where you will step up to the goddamn plate and do something? I, I don't, it, the bottom seems to be endless. We, we keep digging. That is insane. I... I actually thought about that last night. Like, would they consider trying to vote to override the, the veto? But I was like, no, they would never do that because that would be political suicide. But leave it to Klobuchar to say, yep, we would do that. Uh, the one thing I will say, uh, sort of to your point, Ian, and like when do, I don't know, I've always found the, back when I was young and dumb and didn't know what the fuck I was talking about, to be like, yeah, I'm socially liberal, but fiscally conservative. I'm like, what does that even fucking mean? Like, does that, because at the end of the day, it to me, and like where I'm at now is just like, oh, it means I support things in practice, but I'm not going to give any money to them. I'm not going to like actually do anything to make anything happen. Uh, and I always wondered like, what are we fiscally conservative for, right? Like what, at what point do we start spending money on social programs and things? Like, what are we saving this money for, right? Like, is America trying to buy a new house? Like, what are we saving this money for? And it goes to show, like, even in, like, the worst uh, economic and, like, social and any type of crisis, health crisis in our lifetime, America still is like, ah, oh, we might need this money for later. But it's not even that, that, that we need this money for later. That's a narrative that's being put out, like, the money is going out the door. It's just not going out the door to like working people. Like as we saw in this bill, there's over twice as much money between tax breaks and uh, direct aid 
that is going out to private businesses and to the wealthy as to working people. There's uh, a hugely disproportionate amount of money and there's money going out to the empire and making sure that we are paying off the right people and making sure they have our weapon systems. And I think that it's just this absurdity of, yeah, that, that, that this is, we're not saving for anything. That's the narrative they're saying to keep us from asking for anything. They, the money's being spent. Rich people are getting it. They get bailed out whenever they fuck up. And even when like the whole thing fucks up, they get paid out first. They're being made not even whole. They're being made more wealthy. Like, it, it, like Jeff Bezos is the wealthiest person in human history and became more wealthy during this giant crisis. Like, I, I, yeah, it, it's it's it, it ridiculous to think that like, and I guess like you're saying that you can see their priorities. Their priorities are making sure that uh, the right people have weapons and that the right people, being the richest people, have all the money. <laughs> And that guarantees that the system will continue on as normal. If those two things stay true, the United States system will continue. Cool. Uh, we're, this is going to be a cheery episode. Uh, we're, as normal, just like hitting the high points. I think really quickly, we don't have to spend too much time on this piece. Just, there, I, I got pushed back from when I was rage posting about this. I'm just people being like, well, no, the American people are too smart. Uh, they're going to know that Trump undermined this process and the Republicans undermined this process. And they're not going to blame Biden or the Democrats or anybody uh, on our side for this decreased uh, payment or this limited uh, support. Um, yeah, that's, that's a narrative is like, yeah, the Democrats are, are doing what they can and people will get that. I think for some people, they will get that. Certainly for the person who commented or people who commented like that, they, they get that. I get that. I understand that this is not like all the Democrats fault, though I have a lot of feels on the Democrats in this, in this current position. I have a lot of doubts where if Trump signs a check for $1,200 and then refuses to sign a lower check and demands more for a bunch of families, that they're going to somehow forget that when Biden steps up to the plate and offers them like, I'm predicting a $300 check in like April as like an anniversary payment. And we're all supposed to thank them. Like I, I can't imagine they're going to get more than this uh, from the Democrat, uh, from the Democrat Congress and president. And I think that it is very likely that people will remember that. And I think that even if, like we said, if nothing passes, I think the fact that the Democrats were compromising and demanding that people get in line on this compromise and demanding that people get in line on offering people less, and then Trump stood up and demanded that people get more, while it was disingenuous, while he's demanding that a bunch of things I support also get defunded in amidst a bunch of things that I also don't support get defunded, I, I think that people will remember that. And, you know, Biden won this election by a couple of million votes and discussed on about Trump. If Biden does fuck all for four years and the last thing people remember from Trump is that a vaccine came out and he offered them 2K that the Democrats wouldn't let him get, you know, that's not necessarily the right per perspective. But I think that that's a reasonable reading if you're not fucking paying that close of attention to the news. I think that that gets Trump reelected in 2024. And I, I don't think that's a silly argument to make. And you all have each touched on that. I don't know if there's a lot more to say there, but like, what do you think about this argument that like people are too smart, they'll see through this, this is all cynical and they'll they'll move past the cynicism? No, yeah, that's, that's, that's not real. That's not the America I live in. Agreed. I mean, I just think America is, well, I'll say it like this, America is so polarized that people will believe what they want, what already affirms their narrative. And the people who think Trump, uh, 
who think Trump is dumb or like whatever, like they will, uh, they that's what they'll, they'll walk into it believing that and they'll walk out of it believing that. And the people who love Trump will again walk into it believing that and walk out of it believing that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't see it really having an effect either way other than adding fuel, like it's the same fuel for two separate fires. I think that makes sense. And I think that there's like, that's one of the things that's been pretty surreal in this transition moment is I already was frustrated with Biden as dear listeners, you probably noticed, but I think that what surprised me a little bit is just how equally willing to deny reality many of the democratic supporters are. I think that I have seen the Biden administration stepping into this moment with like a pretty centrist to center right platform a clear lack of intention to do much progressive legislating. Um, and just listening to people sort of deny that reality. Like, I think that, yeah, people, like you're saying there, Greg, I think people will read into this moment what they already were reading into this moment. The facts on, I think both the hardcore Democratic Party supporters and the hardcore Republican Party supporters are becoming less relevant. And I think that, like, they're, yeah, they're creating these bubbles where, yeah, the, the media is covering everything, but the, there's a section of the media covering everything Biden is doing as like this huge step forward when we know it's not. There's a section of the media covering everything Biden is doing as socialism, which we also know it's not. And then that's flipped for Trump. Like, I think that, yeah, people, people are creating these bubbles where they're pretending that they're a good guy, that there's a good guy and that he, they're on his side. When I think we should open ourselves up to the possibility that neither of these people are the good guy. And yeah, obviously us maybe here already on that on that boat, but I, I just that that's what kind of dumbfounds me. It's like, no, they're just both bad. Like acknowledge that. Move on. Like let's let's figure out what we can do. But like you, you don't have to defend one of them if they're both doing shitty things. Uh well, yeah, I think we're trying to keep this a little short. So let's transition maybe into a little bit of what our closing is. Um I think this big point that I've been grappling with and that I'd like to see us maybe dig into a little bit is just this. This to me is a little bit emblematic of the danger of a centrist response to right-wing authoritarian rule. Uh, centrists, like this, I'm gonna basically spell out what just happened, is like this idea that you can compromise, find a middle ground, sure it's not what we need, sure it's not gonna help enough people, sure things will keep getting worse, but it won't be as bad as it might've could have been. And you know, we're compromising, we're finding a way forward. If a right-wing authoritarian is willing to outflank you I mean, arguably a little bit here from the left and demand that people get more. Um, that is the danger of right-wing authoritarianism. Like fascist regimes offered, I think I texted this to you, Marcel, like 30% of the population, they were like, you're not getting enough and I'm gonna get it for you. And then centrist regimes offered, I just wish we could do more. I'm so sorry. And it, one of those groups has a base, the other group doesn't. And I, I don't think that means that you support the authoritarian. It just this is what you run into is this sort of moment of centrism being incapable of accomplishing what is necessary right. and authoritarianism being willing to cut through that and try to offer a solution, which I don't agree with the solution. I think we need far different things than, uh, you know, the, even like Trump is even offering a solution here. He's just saying this is wrong, but that's essentially what got him elected is being, being willing to cut through a centrist sort of like fog and be like, something's fucked up. I'm kind of a white supremacist. Does anybody want to get on that train? And enough people did. And the Democrats are seeming like a horrible historical vehicle to oppose that at this point. I think like 
yeah, how are, how are you all, does that, does that ring true for y'all? Do you feel like any feels in that sort of framing, maybe to close this out, is like, what does this mean for the future and like how, how we move on from this point? You got it, Marsha. <laughs> um, I don't know, actually. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think that, as I have said before on the podcast, that though, obviously, like you said, I don't agree with, obviously, right-wing Republican values and stances in their platform, but you have to admit that they stand for something and uh, they fight for it, that they have done so for decades, that they play the long game. And I think that uh, individual politicians in the Democratic Party, I think that factions in the Democratic Party stand for things, that they are fighting for things, but I think that overall the Democratic Party has lost its way. And I, when I think of the Democratic Party, I don't think of a cohesive um, movement, I don't think of a cohesive platform, um, I don't think of a party that's fighting for something, and I don't think of uh, I, I don't think of a party that has a future and is fighting for, for a future. So that scares me. Um, as someone who proudly identified as a, a Democrat for um, the better half of her life, um, you know, I, that's, yeah, that's disappointing. That's scary. That's, yeah, not something that I'm, I'm happy about. As far as where things are going to go, um, I have said also before on this podcast that I think that these next four years under the Biden administration are going to be uh, interesting. I think that the best that we can hope for, as I've said, is, you know, we're going to hit a, a pause button. Um, you know, hopefully some of the more dangerous policies that Trump has put in place are going to be reversed. Um, yeah, that's basically all I can hope for. But like, as far as what we're seeing with this stimulus uh you know package that has been passed i think that that's going to be i think that that's indicative of what's going to happen in the future i think that we are going to constantly you know hear that oh you know this is the best that we could do you know we're going to hear a lot of we're trying to compromise we are trying to you know the whole bipartisanship or i think that we're going to hear a lot of that and whereas we have seen the Republicans say, all right, F y'all, we're going to do what we need to do to get ahead. Um, the Democrats are going to continue to either say, you know, we're trying to work together or they're going to blame the Republicans and say, ah, you know, we're, we tried to work with them. They're, they're just standing in our way instead of just, um, you know, doing what they need to do instead of just saying, all right, you know what? we're tired of trying to work with you all clearly again under a president obama y'all weren't interested in um you know working with us so you know if they do take back the senate then they should do what you know they um what the republicans did under obama they you know obstructed everything that obama tried to do so okay they should um go ahead and try to pass every single piece of legislation whether it's progressive or pretending to be progressive, that's what they should try to do, but they're not going to do that. So I think that um, the future of the Democratic Party, at least for the next four years, is going to look like uh, 
continuing to try to pass, you know, bipartisan efforts, failing because that's not what the Republicans are interested in. And, uh, you know, saying, well, we tried failing. And yeah, that's what I see. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think there will it will depend on who wins Georgia and how many seats are won. Uh, but yeah, I just see like a rollout of, you know, a bunch of executive orders, none that will really matter. It would just be rolling back a lot of things that Trump did, a continuing of like the revolving door of, you know, corporate America and, and public America and, you know, the rich getting richer, throwing extra things in bills for the next four years, two to four years, uh, and then just settling back into the continuing of America's decline. Yeah, and I think that there's this tension between this idea that, like, this is the best we can do, and the idea that that's not enough. Like, I, I think that if this is the best you can do, then what are you for? If this is the best that, like, if we're told that voting and uh, political engagement through the process is the only, like, legitimate form of participation, and this is what politics looks like, and then this is the results we get, at a certain point, we have to question, like, if this is... So, like if, if this isn't enough what is the other answer and i think that like there's this fiction that if the democrats offer any alternative to the republicans that they will continue to get support and i think that you know they, they've got a lot of anecdotal evidence that will go along for a while but i think that there's a limit and i think the way like our empire and the way our nation is going uh, something has to change. Like people's incomes can't continue to go down. We don't have new super credit cards to give everybody to keep them, to allow them to pretend to be middle-class or to pretend to have access to any of their needs. Um, we don't have another round of financialization. Like the new stimulus for the economy or the new stimulating part of the economy is uh, the tech sector, which really doesn't employ a huge number of people. Like we're running out of runway on a lot of the things that will enable us to organically as a capitalist society share uh, any part of that wealth with uh, the general population. And the amount of that wealth is just that is just held by the most powerful wealthy people in our society is dramatically increasing. And I think that there's this idea that, yes, that's true, but we can continue to oppose it. And we have unlimited time to kind of stand in opposition. And I think that that's untrue. People have limited lives. People have limited time on this earth. And I think that if we are incapable of providing an alternative to what is happening, somebody else will. And I think that Trump in some ways is indicating that. Like, he's an idiot. I, I think that like he's strategic, but he, he doesn't understand, I think in some ways, the power that he has held and the, his ability to have wield, wielded it more intelligently or intentionally could have been very dangerous. Um, but things are going to change that like this this weird slow decline into uh, obscurity for like more than 50 percent of the population will only continue so far and there are left-wing answers that i think could offer a huge liberatory future for us but there are also right-wing answers that currently seem a lot closer to the surface and a lot getting a lot more support on the national stage and I think that there's this idea that as long as we can support the Democrats, we can hold that back. And I just don't think that's true. I think that there's a point where if you don't build a left-wing alternative that can promise people a better world, not just like in 50 years or 100 years if we vote for Democrats and, and pray, but in a year, in two years, if we can't start seeing that progress, if we can't start making those gains, 
I think there are a, a number of people who will just check out and there are a number of people who will check into a different, more horrible answer. And that, that's what scares me the most in, in, in sort of situations like this. It's just that there, yeah, other answers will come. The Democrats clearly aren't one and they're repressing actively a left-wing answer currently. And that, that's a frightening prospect. I need to tell y'all what I'm gonna say a little bit more so that I don't just like end on these like long dark diatribes. Cool, well, this has been a quick one. Uh, thank you all for hopping on. We did this on like less than 24 hours notice. Um, I think Greg had like 15 minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, sometimes. And I'm now on Clubhouse. So if you're on Clubhouse. You're on Clubhouse? I am. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, I'm, yeah, I know. And all the ratchets are on Clubhouse, but I, I finally made it just a little bit after the ratchets. So that's, that's something. Check out Greg on Clubhouse. And uh, maybe Greg will post about this on Clubhouse. It will be cool. Yeah, I don't have any clout on Clubhouse, so it won't really do much. It's okay. I don't understand how to have clout on Twitter, but I'm still tweeting. Um, cool. Then yeah. Also, I just want to do a quick shout out. If you do hear this on Apple, uh, Apple podcasts, give us a review. If there's anywhere you can give us a review, that really does help get this out to more people. We are very proud of our couple of dozen listeners. Um, we're always looking to reach more people. So give us a share. Yeah. Give us a share so we can sell out to our corporate overlords and start inundating you with ads. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, give us a share. We're trying to reach more people. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll one day be able to make like seven whole dollars or something. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk to y'all soon. I think we're trying to plan an end of the year episode. It might come after the new year. We also got Hunger Games stuff. One of my friends has been watching Star Wars things and has a lot of feelings. There's going to be some pop culture. I keep promising I won't talk about Biden, but I can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk to y'all very soon.